Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Planners Southeast Asian Podcast. Gwen here, and today we are joined by not only a licensed or certified financial planner, he is also the founder of Blueprint Group of Companies, Raju Ramasami. Good day, Raju. Did I pronounce my la- your last name right? I forgot to ask earlier. Yeah, you got it right, uh, <laughs> Grant. You got it right. But I, you can address me as Raju. That's fine with me. All right. Thanks so much, Raju. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. How are you today? Excellent. I mean, uh, as I, it's a new thing, new experience because being locked down, and uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, yes. New, a lot of new ideas, new, new way of uh, practicing. Yeah, definitely so. But um, I'm actually very optimistic about this. Um, And I'd like to think that a few years from now, once this lockdown is uh, over and the pandemic is done, we'll listen back to these recordings like this podcast um, where we're talking about the pandemic and just you know, laugh about it. Um, Hopefully laugh about it. And Yeah. yeah, and come out stronger and um you know because we have learned a lot of things during the pandemic but before we delve into that um i guess what i and i guess our listeners would also like to know is that well you've been in the the industry for such a long time you've um i've i've done a little bit of research and uh i guess you've in, been in the industry for more than 30 years am i right yeah, you got it. Yeah, cool. And so, as I've heard from other um, financial planners from Malaysia, the Malaysian financial planning industry is still, I guess, in a, in a sense, is at its infancy. So I'd like, I'm very curious to know that 30 years ago, um, why did you get decide to get into the to the industry in the first place? Well, Gwen, I mean, uh, uh, I'll try to be brief as much as possible, but uh, it's a long story in the sense of when I was only 16 years old, being the eldest in the family, I lost my dad. So I need to come out from a very rural place in Malaysia and uh, get to the city and uh, walk the journey alone. And that's where I got into the city, Kuala Lumpur, and uh, went to uh, high school thereafter. And whilst I was in the high school, self, I was self-supporting. I was invited for a career opportunity talk in the life insurance business. And um, this is um, a very large company in, in, in Asia, Great Eastern Life. And they're quite big in Singapore and Malaysia as well. So I was invited for a career talk. And uh, here comes in uh, a sales manager who says, uh, you have walked into a gold mine and you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to drive big cars and you're going to live in big homes. Wow. <laughs> and all the, the rara was truly exciting. And imagine that was at the age of uh, 20. 
And at age 20, you uh, show me some sports cars and, uh, you know, about lifestyle. Well, I got carried away. And that was how the first talk was. And uh, I actually went into the life insurance business to make some money because the margins were very, very high those days. And uh, so so I ended up taking up uh, the life insurance contract with this company and started my life while studying. I was... Uh, selling life insurance. Of course, when I start receiving my first check, I got even more excited, very, very motivating because the money was good. Uh, and uh, I got into it. And uh, thereafter, yay, I, I think I'm at the right spot. So uh, within a period of about seven to eight years, I, I grew very well. I think I started buying, I bought the first Beatles, Volkswagen, they call it. Ah, those days. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first car, and uh, I, I, I just got into it, and uh, I started enjoying it. And I had a lot of friends, you know, who were very supportive about what I was doing. There were only two products, basically, those days. One was the whole life, and uh, the other is an endowment uh, product. So these were the two products, pretty straightforward. I was just selling and selling and selling, and uh, here comes uh, well. It's good, interesting, and I was very committed in terms of upgrading myself. So I got enrolled with the Malaysian Insurance Institute, and uh, I listened to a lot of uh, talks by uh, great people in the industry. And uh, I took up the Life Underwriters Training, uh, LUTC, they call it Life Underwriters Training Council. They offered these programs which involves personal insurance, business insurance, personal growth. These are modules and thereafter you are best off with a, a fellow. So I continued studying. The more I got into it, uh, my practice started improving. The way I engaged my clients started improving. And uh, again, in most of the conferences uh, I attend, I have attended Live Underwriters Association of uh, Australia. I've attended their conferences. I've attended conferences organized in the Philippines, Asia-Pacific, Singapore, name all this Asia-Pacific Life Insurance Congress. So when I went into all this Congress and met a lot of very successful people, I got more and more uh, involved with it. Basically, I was very indoctrinated with the concept of what life insurance was eventually. Then I gave it a shot in 1993. I did my million-dollar roundtable, and I was a million-dollar roundtable member provisional member first year and I went all the way to Dallas, Texas, attended the first conference. Wow, I was I was given a very grand welcome with a green tag on my on my jacket and everybody was yeah. giving me a hug and say, look, welcome to MDRT and uh, there you go. And uh, thereafter, I, I started qualifying uh, year after year and a uh, number of roundtable meetings I attended, eventually um, a life member. And once I, I got into it, I, 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 I'm there. I'm, I mean, it's just that I believe in the concept of life insurance, mm, yeah. which, uh, which, which provides, uh, you know, for the living. And um, for me, it, it is um, it's a very important um, concept that, that uh, everyone has to embrace. So that's how, uh, not to be brief, that's how I, I got into the life insurance business event. Yeah, wonderful. It's actually a, a really nice story because you uh, started in the industry uh, because you were promised uh, that you were going to get rich, right? Um, and then the more that you delve into 
you know, educating yourself, you got really excited. And, um, and I think it's really an exciting time, especially, I think during those times here in the Philippines, uh, insurances were still a taboo, like nobody really believed in it. Um, because it, it was, something like um you were just selling a promise um that's what uh other financial or at least risk advisors would say here in the philippines that you are essentially um selling a promise but because you believed in that it actually provided you with the fruits of your labor but before i i ask the the question that actually a lot of my colleagues want to ask I'd like to ask first, Raju, like having been in the industry, I guess for more than three decades, that's not an easy feat. And I understand that you kept on educating yourself and improving your practice. But what would you say were some of the best decisions you've made um, that has um, enabled you to stay in the business for such a long time? Oh, you know, Joanne, this is uh, the... the a lot of things that happens in, in this career, in this very noble career, it's perception. You know, we feel, wow, wow, while in Philippines or in Malaysia or in Singapore or in some developing countries, this is what people feel, but, uh, people feel about uh, life insurance. I, uh, I humbly disagree to this. It's all about perception. Concept of life insurance, the product itself, the way it has been structured, it is a very, very important tool in the lives of any human who uh, generates an income. And uh, the concept of income replacement, providing for the loved ones, it's something that you know any uh, human would like to participate. So I think it all boils down to the belief system uh, the, the practitioner himself uh, himself has. So I mean, for me to, uh, re- I mean, to be in to stays for such a long time, more than three decades. I, I believe in, in the concept of life insurance, you know. And uh, there's, there's nothing that can replace that, you know. It, it provides, uh, I mean, it, it can replace your income, it can fund your, your critical illness, it can provide health insurance, and the pulling of the risk, the concept of pulling of the risk, someone else is going to pay when we are get, when you get into, uh, into, into trouble. And you will pay to someone else when they get into trouble. So the concept is very, very divine. You know, that, that is the kind of conviction and belief that I have in myself. And uh, I met a lot of uh, great people in the industry. I mean, Norman Levine. I mean, those who have been in the life insurance industry, they should know him. The legend, Tony Gordon, Mehdi Fakhruzadeh. And these are great people in the industry. And every time I go for the roundtable meeting, I get to see them. Wow, it's a very different feeling. When I mean, you are you are involved in the business of love and compassion. You are involved in a practice which which uh, provides for young children, you know, for widows. Oh, go on! I can go on and on, you know, and uh, I can recite a sermon on this. <laughs> you know? So, so I mean, you, you, to answer you, how I kept myself going, and even now, uh, well, I think coming back to uh, besides insurance, of course, uh, when I went deeper into it, well, got indoctrinated into it, I must say. Or when I got into it, what happens is, hey, look, it's not just about uh, selling life insurance products. I think in the journey of an individual or a business owner, there are many things. You know, it's just not about. Uh, managing the risk, but there are other areas 
And when I went into the roundtable meetings uh, frequently, what I saw is you know, the life insurance business itself was evolving to financial planning. And uh, I mean, this organization was founded in 1927. It's a premier association for financial professionals. You know, they don't say uh, premier association for insurance agents. No, it's, it's called as a premier association of financial professionals. And uh, MDRT was also evolving to sound financial planning. So what happened is the next thing uh, I got into is I've kept upgrading myself. So I remember there was a booth during the MDRT meeting in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was in Los Angeles when they had the other conference. And um, when I went there, I saw a booth um, by, by American College. They were promoting CHFC. Chartered Financial Consultant, which is uh, a course for uh, financial planning professionals. So the minute I got into it, wow, I saw this is something that I need to uh, to take it up to add value in the lives of my clients because I was only dealing with them on, on life insurance and risk management. So when I got into the course, at that point of time, Malaysia, they were not offering the course. It was offered in Singapore yeah. Insurance Institute. And eventually, Malaysian Insurance Institute um, offered the course, and I was one of the pioneers who took the course. It was very costly at that point of time. It was not cheap. And uh, about two and a half years, 13 modules. Wow, amazing. <laughs> we, that, that was really exciting. We were doing something on retirement planning. You know, the, the textbooks were like Bibles, you know. I mean, the case studies, the tax laws, 401k. You, I mean, it was so exciting. And uh, when I took the course and I completed it, Way back in 1998, I said, hey, look, Mike, I can't be going on just uh, selling life insurance to my client. I must be able to provide, uh, hold their hands, walk through their financial journey and provide uh, more holistic and comprehensive uh, solutions. So what next? I started a financial planning practice with no uh, knowledge of how a practice is conducted, uh, no clue, no practice model here. No revenue model, nothing, no tools. Even the regulators in Malaysia were not sure about the license they were intending to offer. So uh, I got into it and my, my wife used to say, hey, look here, you've been doing very well in the insurance business. You were selling good products. And why all this? Because I had a massive pay cut. I had a massive pay cut because during the transition uh, and getting into an industry which... Uh, of course, you just say they still at the infant stage. Yeah. I, I always joke around when, you know why? This industry is in Malaysia for the last 15 years. It's like a 15-year-old guy walking around like a child. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Because you know why? I mean, end of the day, financial planning is all about continuous education, upgrading, you know. But there's, there's many things, you know. So, uh, so I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it's still at the infant stage. Because I think uh, we have come a long way. And um, that's how I, I got into, from the MDRT platform, I, I got evolved into a financial planner. And even now, I'm very, very passionate about, I think you interviewed one of my guys and, uh, uh, I mean, a number of them in the industry, even Rajan Devadasan spoke to me about, hey, yeah, these guys. I mean, I, 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 I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, what I'm doing. And I am a believer. I mean, I'm a believer of financial planning and financial planning is not about pushing products, you know. Yeah. 
-hmm. It's about providing solutions. So that's how I got into financial planning, you know. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. And it's such a great story as well to share because um, so I wanted you to, or I wanted to hear your story, Raju, because uh, right now, especially here in the Philippines, my husband is a financial um, advisor and I've heard some of his friends um, are actually in struggling a bit with their practice because um, of the pandemic. Um, some of them were not able to pivot on time um, with the times. Uh, and I guess that's, I think that's a very great story to to share that sometimes it takes, uh, you know, our the industry has come a long way and there's actually good, uh, a lot better things to come in the future. But I guess um, so. Most of most of my uh, my the people I know actually want to ask, like, how were you able to um, qualify for MDRT? Yeah. No, I, I still remember uh, going way back in late eighties. I did a talk in Manila Garden for this insurance company in Philippines, ah. Fulham Life. Yes. Yes. I still remember the agency manager. I, I'm not in touch with her now. I mean, uh, I remember delivering a talk. There was a large number of insurance agents in the hall. And uh, and I could see, I mean, I mean, very uh, uh, frank about it. The, the Filipinos, the Filip- I mean, those in the insurance business, of course, that's, uh, I can only uh, give my opinion of view about those mm-hmm. in the insurance business. They're great people. Mm-hmm. Great people in the sense, I mean, gen, by, naturally, they, they are very people with a very rich in hospitality, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very kind in, in, in interacting with people. And they shower, anyone like us, we go there, they shower us with a lot of, uh, you know, very nice things to say. And so, I mean, these are attributes one should have to succeed in the, in, in, in the practice that we are in. Sometimes, it's just about how we perceive things. You asked me during this pandemic, be very honest with you. Uh, I, I think we are doing much better in the advisory side of our practice. Mm, yeah. uh, because today, in view of these challenges uh, the people are confronted with, they have to revisit their financial goals and objectives that they have defined and uh, probably documented or just thought of it could be about retirement. They would have set their time horizons. It could have been about funding for their children's education to send them abroad to study. So all this has been disrupted now in a very choppy situation that we are in. So this is the time everyone has to start revisiting, revisiting their financial goals and objectives. They have to start revisiting their assets, their liabilities, cash flow. What I, I feel personally, I mean, it's just that what we perceive the level of belief that we have in what we do is going to take us a long way. So qualifying for MDRT and all that, I believed at that point of time, it's about product. It's about uh, my belief in the product. These product, every home should have when there is a breadwinner, every business when there is a key person. Well, it's it's like playing Russian roulette where you you are not, um, I mean, you you are generating an income and you're not protecting it. That's crazy. Right. 
So, uh, so I believe that you know they they should they should be educated. They should be taught about the importance of uh, carrying a health insurance, carrying a income replacement product, um, carrying a critical illness funding product. They need to you know. So we just go. We we just go into a mission. We go into a mission and start preaching. That's about it. And everything will fall in place. The rest of it, I think, the tools are there. You you have to uh, approach fifteen people, and uh, five of them would like to listen to you. Probably, uh, probably one of them, uh, you know, would be able to. Hey, yeah, I think I, I should pick up this product. So, all these the tools are all there. So I think the bottom line is, um, it's it's the belief, uh, you know, about what you are doing. And the value that uh, you you will be able to provide in the in the lives of people. So for me to consistently qualify at that point of time was the belief. And even now, in the financial planning practice, Gwen and uh, I mean, please allow me to blow a old trumpet. Yeah. Uh, we we have this Malaysian Financial Planner Year Award, uh, which is organized by this company known as Plan Plus, and uh, offered by Financial Planning Association of Malaysia, which promotes CFP here in Malaysia. And uh, 2015, we participated in the uh, Malaysian Financial Planner Year Award. We won one award. 16, we didn't participate. 17, we participated and we won two awards, number two and uh, number three, if I'm not mistaken. I think all that are in the website. And uh, then moved on to 2018, we won uh, uh, three awards. The first place, second place, third place, all went to Blueprint. And uh, 2019, we won all the three awards. And 2021, we won two awards. I mean, 2020, we won two awards. So uh, I was wondering, hey, there are so many financial planning firms in the country. But for us, I can only speak about our practice model. Our practice model is known as the PAP model. That is, it's not the People's Action Party of Singapore. But we call PAP. First, it's mandatory to write a financial plan. Only then we dispense advice. Thereafter, we execute with products. So that's what PEP is all. That's our practice model. So again, it's the belief system that that I uh, believe that I I have this slogan now in most of my talks, you know, Gwen. I said every Malaysian or Asian home should have a financial blueprint. That's the most important document. In every of my speeches, my opening is that. That's the most important document. And I qualify why I say that it's the most important document. Because, you know, even when we were young, you know, our teachers, our parents, you know, our grandparents have told us, if you have a goal, if you have an ambition, write it down. You have to write down what you want to achieve in your life. Likewise, a financial plan, the first thing that we do is to the financial planner sit with the client and, and uh, work with him very closely and start defining and documenting the financial goals and objectives of the person, short-term, mid-term, long-term. It could be any goals for that matter, maybe buying a new car, upgrading a home, getting married, having a child, vacation, wanting to um, uh, give a holiday to the parents, uh, you know, uh, or setting up a charity. All this, this is a very extensive and exciting interview, Gwen. And I love this first part of the process of sitting down with a client and, and defining and establishing financial goals and objectives. And that is documented in a financial plan. And once we have done that, we move on to listing out all the assets, 
all the assets that the individual or the business owner has. We start documenting it. And some of them are crazy. They can't remember. I mean, even this, oh, yeah, I remember investing in some stocks. I remember investing in some mutual funds. I, yeah, 10 years ago, I remember buying a life insurance product. But where are all those? And they, we, we sit down and virtually uh, compile all this uh, and, and, uh, and list this down. And all assets are recorded. And then we move on to liabilities. Then we go into cash flows. We go into uh, um, what you call uh, doing a profile on their risk appetite. My goodness, and this whole document, you know, we, we, we carry all these informations and the, the planner sits with the, the when, when it comes to onboarding the client, sits with the client and get this all, the whole thing done in a financial plan, a document. And can you imagine if something were to happen to the key person of the business or the breadwinner, this document becomes very handy because every information is inside that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I say, Gwen, that this is the most important document in every home. So that's the belief, you know, I mean, and I, I always challenge any of my audience. I said, look, I mean, yes. Oh, yeah, I have this asset. Oh, yeah, I think I have these mortgages to pay off. I think my cash flow is in surplus. Ah, not to worry, you know. But today, uh, you know, in view of this pandemic that we are all being faced with, you have to sit down and look at all these things uh, more so than before. So that's what I keep saying. A financial plan is the most important document in every home or business. Now, only then products come in. Products is just... I mean, the best analogy I could give you is it's just prescription. I mean, uh, you know, you, you see a doctor, he examines you and say, look, Mike, you're all right. Uh, you have peace of mind. So when you write a financial plan, most likely if everything is fine and you see it in the document, you will have peace of mind while not, not to worry. Everything is all right with me. And if there are any uh, issues or concerns, then we can execute or we can help fix it with the help of a financial planner but most of them you know like in malaysia i can tell you i mean you i think you may have listeners uh, all over in malaysia when you, when i started off and i said look oh i'm going to do this plan for you and i'm going to charge you x number of uh, fees and all that x amount of fees they go crazy they go hey i'm going to pay for this yeah penny wise pound foolish i i say but upon completion of the plan when they would have seen oh wow i'm saving so much they have assets not been performing for years. When we get in, we fix all this. We reshuffle, reorganize, do the balancing, the switching, and look at their health insurance, look at their, you know, their estate planning issues, bills. You know, you, if you die uh, intestate, distribution of assets is going to be very challenging. You know, you have to seek a letter of administration. So it, it's basically the most important document in one's financial journey. We are living in a material world. So, of course, if we are living in a spiritual world, then we don't talk about money. That's fine. But we are living in a material world. So the financial journey of one's life is, is everything. So, so I could, I mean, you, you could see, you know, when I, you know, in what I will be do, the belief, what, whether you believe in, in this or not, you know, and whether you can add value or not. So to answer you, I'm sorry, I think I took a long time to give you an answer. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it boils down to that and then you see the value in what you are doing of course you know in terms of rating when you say you're a financial planner ah uh, the guy looks at you oh financial planner i have got situations when well, guys have insulted me in some networking meetings i'm quite active in the australian malaysian councils and 
some other business councils. When we go for networking, I say I'm a financial planner. Wow, oh, and then very, uh, you know, they, they, some of them even very blunt. Oh, these guys are con men. They say that. So we are not rated very highly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I say, but then we, we don't have to bother about that because when you know you have certain value systems in you, and you mean you can go into my website, check my testimonies. Some of these clients who came in to give testimonies, they came voluntarily to give testimonies, you know, because they know what we uh, we have. So uh, to be a financial planner, I can see, you know, I mean, not only here in many parts, even in Australia, I've met a lot of friends, you know, uh, I mean, when it comes to financial planning, immediately, oh, it's investments. No, it's just a product. Oh, it's insurance. It's a product. It's a solution. But before you get to the level of solution, you have to walk through the process of getting a plan written. That's the thing. So even in Philippines or any part of the world, that is uh, what we should be talking to our clients when we are onboarding them, when we are engaging them. You know, that this is the most important document in your financial journey. We have to be saying that. And we have to say that with, uh, with full conviction, you know. So, and, and you, people will value it. I have a lot of, I mean, I have the luxury now, you know, of uh, giving appointments two months from now or three weeks, for, three months from now, because I don't have the time. Some of them, they would just want to just engage me. And some I just distribute to my other planners, but they prefer to engage me. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, we, we have to have that, that sense of conviction and believe that we mean a lot in the lives of, of, of people. Oh, that's so true. And um, I, I do hear your passion for this. And I think that's um, the best advice that we can provide to other financial planners or financial advisors who are, um, you know, struggling in this industry right now is just to believe in, in the integrity of our uh, of of being a financial planner and, and to believe that you are useful to your clients i think that's that's such a good one because you are absolutely correct uh, a blueprint is something that is a must i think it's still the same as you know if you're going to build a house um, a house that has been well planned um, and if that plan is well executed, then you will get a really great house as opposed to a house that was just built on a whim. Um, there would be no direction. There would be no great foundation for that house and it will crumble down as um, easily. Right. Yeah. So I think that's very powerful. Um, but I guess you mentioned that you're very passionate about giving this message to your clients but uh here or i i know that even in malaysia there are still like the majority of the population is still skeptical about financial planning um they some of them or especially here in the philippines would say that financial planning is only for rich people so how would you position yourself in um, I guess uh, as a, how do you position your yourself to your client that you are an integral part of their, to help them in their life? I think the most important thing, uh, Gwen, is about 
reaching out to to people you know and uh, and getting this message across so there are many ways of doing it of course in the insurance business we were all being taught about prospecting about branding about networking um and i i believe in this we have to allow people to know us you know uh, only when people know us they will like us only when they like us they will trust us and when they trust us everything happens and you know at uh, this thing i i will back to agree i mean disagree with this because people are the same everywhere whether it's in philippines whether it's in malaysia whether it's in africa uh, in australia uk or developed countries developing countries uh, whatever people are the same people are love you know it's 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 a it's human you know when uh, when you are a human you have those basic uh, uh, you know attributes we all share a lot everything as a human in common so uh, when when we know that what we have is something of very prime important in the lives of people then you should allow people to know us and know uh, what we do and what value we can add in their in, in their lives so uh, how do you reach out to people well if you have that believe that you know you can move on i mean you can help uh, others then you have to do this 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 where the tools come in execute whatever ideas that we learn uh, we have to execute you know now you know we do a lot of uh, uh, social media marketing you know um, we we make approaches in many ways and forms so so then we have to uh, come up with an action plan and start executing what we have and 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 share what we uh, have for the people to benefit them and this Uh, tell them i'm going to uh, i'm going to be here to hold your hands and walk through the uh, your financial journey and because i have the credentials i i have the competence i have the know how to to take you through walk you through don't diy don't do it yourself it is it doesn't work it doesn't work i guess that's right because um a lot of financial planners seem to overlook that part i guess or not a lot of financial planners but i guess um a lot of financial planners who are still starting in the industry um seem to have overlooked that but i guess uh, another segue um and it just came to my mind here and i think it's an interesting question <laughs> hopefully it is but do you think rashu that financial do you think financial planners should have their um own financial planners as well or should they be handling or do you think that they can handle their financial plans themselves you're talking about financial planners uh, uh, engaging another financial planner right? yes yes oh yes yeah you know if you're a surgeon you can't conduct your own surgery That's isn't it great yeah yeah you know uh, everyone uh, whom we onboard as a financial planner in blueprint the first thing they we got to do is to look at their own financial plan mm. and uh, i in 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 some situations i get in and uh, i make sure that their financial uh, plan is in in perspective mm. and uh, first help them out first and they got to see the value first mm. yes that's so cool um and i think that's very um good to do when you're starting out especially if you're 
having a, a new financial planner in your team is to make sure that they themselves see the value in what they're doing as well. And to see another person in action, actually helping them um, with their own um, financial status and managing their um, finances, because then they get to see, I guess, to model what they can do for their clients, right? So yeah, yeah, Gwen. You see, uh, I mean, as I as I've been in the industry for more over three and a half decades, as you mentioned. I mean, even in the life insurance business, you know, I've seen guys who are in the business where they don't own sufficient life insurance protection. Yes. They don't. I mean, they, they, it doesn't work that way. You have to be a believer in terms of uh, you wanting to add value in the lives of people. So, uh, I mean, we, we cannot take the, the role of just a, a service provider or a, a product distributor, you know, because being a financial planner, it's a very, very noble career, you know. You have to have a very high level of passion and believe in it. So, therefore, you have to see the value for yourself. You have your family, you have your children, uh, you have your own uh, financial journey. First, that has to be fixed with the expertise that the, uh, of the industry. So you engage. You basically engage someone to, you know, to help you out first. And then you see the value. Thereafter, you move. You will see a great sense of uh, conviction in what you are doing, you know, because you are a believer. Yes, yes. That's so I, I, if I have at all, I wanted to give a message now. I would say, look, if you, when you are taking up this uh, financial planning as a profession, first thing first, get your financial plan in perspective first. And then you look at uh, your risk management, make sure that your health insurance is there and your, your income replacement part of it in sequence, it is there and your critical illness funding is there. Then look at your investments and see whether they are uh, meeting your expectations in terms of funding your financial goals and objectives. And the next thing, of course, make sure that, uh, you know, you have set up a trust or a will or, you get your estate planning uh, advice in terms of how distribution is going to be done first. So it's your life first. You just fix that. And once you've done that and you get out there and, and uh, onboard a client, well, you'll be very real and very, very uh, practical and very sincere about what you are doing. So so, so I, I will definitely agree to your comment on that. Yes, they should. They yeah. should engage another financial planner to look into the affairs first. Ah, yes. Thank you so much for answering that because it just came to me uh, while you were saying about, um, you know, like no one can DIY is a bad thing. So I was wondering, like, hmm, if that's a bad thing. So I guess it would be appropriate for a financial planner to also hire someone else. Because I guess the thing there is if you do it on your own, even if you have the knowledge and the tools, you are still pretty much emotional because it's your own money right and when someone else comes in to help you out they would be more objective to uh to see the bigger picture um, of your own finances and um and i guess that would really cement your belief about the nobility of your career as you say so thank you so much for that one Raju. and yeah, you know you know gwen i mean just to add on here uh, i have numerous uh, occasions especially step one in the financial planning process that is establishing financial goals and objectives. When I uh, get into onboarding a client and sit down and execute step one, uh, 
uh, talking to both the husband and wife, the, the, the couple, there are many a times been very emotional about it, you know, Gwen. I yeah. have seen them in tears talking about what they want to do in their life. Wow, that, that's the most exciting part of the interview. Among all the six steps, the rest is all, you know, pretty straightforward, you know, collecting data, collecting uh, data, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But the first part of the financial planning process, step one, establishing financial goals. I have situations uh, uh, when I've heard about special children in a, a special child in a family, yeah. you know, and the siblings are all married and gone and the parents are getting old. This guy is no more a special child. He's 32, 33 years old. Parents are very worried about well, who is going to take care of this of this guy. And, and you have to sit down with a financial planner and work and structure something out. That's so, so, so I mean, it's very emotional. It's, it's people, you know. It's it's about people. How you uh, you mean you what you can do, you know, in the lives of people. So, uh, I mean, that emotional thing. I mean, this is a challenge now for people like us. You know, we have always been used to face to face interviews and discussions. Now, doing it yeah. over Zoom and virtually, it's a bit challenging. But then, that yeah. is the most exciting part of the interview in the financial planning process. You know, Gwen. And that is very fulfilling, very satisfying, you know, Gwen. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I agree. Um, getting to see what um, the how you can impact your client's life um, because you have like, I know that in that in your step one, you get to really um, understand your client's situation. Um, and then most often than not, there's always a there's always a uh, a setback for them, right? Like there's always this um, part of their life that uh, still needs fixing or still needs fine tuning, and that's where you can shine as a financial planner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, if we uh, financial planners in any part of the world, you know, if you can walk into the lives of five families a month, uh, the next twelve months, if you can help sixty families. And end of the day, wow, you know, what an accomplishment. You feel damn good about yourself. Yeah, that's true. In, in life, you know, when, when uh, you feel good about yourself, uh, when you will be uh, prospering. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> you will be actually prospering because you feel good about yourself. You love yourself, you know, you know what you're doing, you know. Uh, that is why I'm always grateful to MBRT. I learned all this from all these great people, you know, in the MBRT platform. And of course, in many conferences and, you know, so we keep continuously keep upgrading ourselves, keep elevating our belief system and level. And then, of course, the tools keep upgrading. So, um, so, so, I mean, it's the, the thing about helping people, you know, help and the rest of it will fall in place. All right. Well, thanks so much, Raju. Um, I guess that's, you know, your message is something that, um, a lot of financial planners, I think they already know this message, but it never hurts for them to hear it again uh, because it's important to really continuously um, share this message because it is important, um, especially now in this time and age where um, a lot of people are, some people are struggling, um, but I think there's uh, and as you said, there's really an opportunity in this moment to shine as financial planners because in this time of the pandemic, people um, actually need to go deep down and look at 
um, their the fi their financial um, structure of their home to see and find out where a financial planner can help. But I guess my last question for you before we, we do end this conversation, Raju, is that what is what would be the best advice that you can give for upcoming financial advisors or financial planners? I, I mean, the, the first thing first, uh, Gwen, I mean, we have we, not to worry about probably some of these negative uh, comments about the profession. I mean, in every profession, you hear of this, you know, you have great doctors, you have doctors who don't, uh, I mean, abide by the ethics, you know, you similarly, any profession, lawyers or any, there are great lawyers and great doctors, great professionals. So we don't have to worry too much about all this negativity and all that, you know, what is important is, you know, what you have is, has got great value, all right, in the financial journey of any individual or businesses. So we keep upgrading ourselves and uh, just get into the mission. Just get into the mission of, of, of serving. And uh, once you keep doing that and you have a number of satisfying clients and, you know, become a trusted advisor. Become a trusted advisor. Get in, and don't sell products because of very high margins. Products is prescription. That falls later. So I am, I, 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 if at all I want to just, my humble in my opinion is, when you are a financial planner, don't position yourself in terms of, ah, I'm going to push this product. I'm going to sell some investment products. I'm going to sell some insurance products. Let it be there. It will happen because at the end of the day, you need to treat the, the client. You need to treat the client. The only way to treat it is you can, of course, write a fantastic financial plan. At the end of the day, you got to execute with the product. So leave the product at the later part. The first part of your, your role, or the first thing that you got to be committed in doing is, hey, look, I will walk you through a financial plan first. Let me sit down and establish these financial dreams, aspirations, and goals of you. And then we, we will we'll walk you through. So you will definitely see gaps. And the gaps are can only be fixed by products. So what I would want to say, uh, every financial planner out there, just get this right first. right? And of course, tell them you're going to charge a fee for work. I, I charge fee for the, the plan. Right. End of the day, this is a product I prescribe. You get it from me. Yes, you get it from my uh, shelf, my pharmacist. You can pick it up from us. But if you want to go and get it elsewhere, well, you sign this declaration saying that you are getting this product that I prescribe. Go ahead. So you, the, the, the client will be able to see your, your sincerity, your commitment. So what I would like to say, especially you know those who are fronting products first, just keep it there. Front your financial plan first. That, that's the humble thing that I probably would like to share because I have seen benefits by doing that, uh, Gwen. Ah, definitely. I agree. And I, I think that it's a, it's a better way of positioning yourself as a financial planner as well. So thank you so much for, for that. One, one other thing, Gwen, I would like to add, you know, since you have listeners from uh, all over, especially Australia and all that, I must say the opportunity in ASEAN, uh, especially planners who are in, in Australia and UK and other parts of the world, they, they are in practice for a long time. They have a very efficient practice model. Yes. And, and tools and all that. ASEAN is the place to get in now. You know, they can always, if they want to explore any opportunities in ASEAN, I mean, feel free to get in touch with me because countries like Indonesia, 
I mean, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam. Wow, I and Brunei, these are countries I have traveled, I've met people, and the opportunities are massive. And uh, our friends, uh, our brothers, uh, you know, who are in countries like Australia, UK, and other parts of the world, they, they are very advanced in the sense they started financial industry is, uh, is very old there. So they have a lot of things to offer to this region. You know, and, uh, you know, we are keen and interested, excited about uh, ASEAN. Feel free. Countries like Philippines, well, there's a lot of opportunities basically yeah. in ASEAN. Uh, and these things are not going to, I mean, the pandemic, it has to, time will definitely heal all this. Let's yeah. let's be more positive and uh, everything will be over soon. And we can be all be happy and, you know, we can mean a lot in the lives of people. That's my parting message I could give you. Uh. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Raju. But um, and I guess it's a it's a good way to to end the show. Uh, of course, thank you all for coming into the show in the first place. But where can um, people who are interested in um, speaking with you, if they want to get to know you more, where should they go? I mean, I can just straight give my my personal number. I'm I'm okay with that. I know it's plus. 6019 They can just WhatsApp me and, uh, you know, we can start a communication, uh, I mean, a relationship. I, I'm all right with that. Plus 6019 uh, They can also visit my website, bpplanning.com.my. And of course, uh, social media, YouTube, we have a number of things inside there. So, uh, ah. Yeah, so they can reach out, you know, and I'm if they want to know anything about ASEAN, especially, I've done a massive research about what's going on and what's going to be the opportunities in the next coming uh, five to seven years. I don't mind sharing all this because uh, we are in a business of sharing when, you know, the yes, more, more you share, the more you're going to benefit. I'm a bit, and this is what MDRT taught me. Ah, uh, definitely, and um, that w- that is basically the essence of this uh, podcast as well is to um, share what other financial planners has to say so that we all can jump into the positive evolution of financial advice. So thank you so much, Raju, for coming. Yeah, I congratulate you all. You know, XY Advisory. I mean, this is a great thing that you uh, you are doing to the financial planning community. Ah. Uh, Yes. Uh, I, I really appreciate because I did have the opportunity to listen to some of your broadcasts and it's uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic ideas and tools, you know. So keep up this good work and let's all work together. Yeah. You know? uh, so all the best, Gwen. Ah, thank you so much, Raju, and to you and to Blueprint um, group of companies as well. I wish you all um, stay healthy and happy. Stay happy, then you will be healthy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>